Yeah, y'all can have a seat. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 12. Michael and Joe Alice Hall. Joe Alice leads our children's ministry. They're going to read the passage this morning. So, here you go, Joe Alice. Thank you. About that time, King Herod violently attacked some who belonged to the brother, I mean to the church, and he executed James, John's brother, with the sword. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter too, during the festival of the unleavened bread. After the arrest, he put him in prison and assigned four squads of four soldiers, each to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. When Herod was about to bring him out for trial, that very night Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers, while the sentries in front of the door guarded the prison. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell, striking Peter on the side. He woke him up and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Get dressed, the angel told him, and put on your sandals. And he did. Wrap your cloak around you, he told him, and follow me. So he went out and followed. And he did not know what, that what the angel did was really happening, but he thought he was seeing a vision. After they passed the first and second guards, they came to an iron gate that leads into the city, which opened to them by itself. They went outside and passed one street, and suddenly the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all the Jewish people expected. As soon as he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. He knocked at the door of the outer gate, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer She recognized Peter's voice, and because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran and announced that Peter was standing outside the outer gate. You're out of your mind, they told told her, but she kept insisting that it was true, and they said, it's his angel. Peter, however, kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. Motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. These are the things to James' brother, he said. And he left and went to answer to another place. At daylight, there was a great commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had searched and did not find him, he interrogated the guards and ordered their execution. Uh, Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. But the word of God had flourished and multiplied. After he had completed their relief, relief mission, Barnabas and Saul returned to Jerusalem, talking, uh, taking along John with him, who was called Mark. Thank y'all. You can hold on to that. Or just set it right down there. So, Joelis and Michael, uh, they read... Good job, Michael, by the way. He was real nervous about it. <laughs> they read Acts 12, verse 1 through 19, and then we skipped down... And read verse 24 and 25. And we're going to be in that passage today. But this, uh, this message, uh, actually this, this service as we, 
as we will close it here in, in 30 minutes or so, I want it to be different. We want to orchestrate it more like a prayer service. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you all this now so you can at least be thinking about it. Uh, we invite everyone to come take communion, but we're going to do something different today. We're going to have our elders uh, be stationed right here. And we really, uh, I encourage you as, as both pastor, as you come forward to take communion, uh, we'll have our communion stations on the side, which is different today. Uh, would love for the elders to pray over you if you have a specific need, or if you don't, or if you don't want to share. I know that our elders, and there'll be uh, there are five of us, but I'll be serving communion. The elders will be here. I know the elders would love to just pray for you. And so uh, this is a time, and we're going to see this in the passage that we want to be about prayer because I'm very convicted. For the last nine months since I came back from sabbatical, we need to grow, we need to cultivate our prayer life uh, more as a church body, both as individuals, uh, as individual Christians, and together as a whole. So I'll talk more about that as we close, but right now I do want to pray, and I want to pray also a specific prayer, um, and that is a celebration uh, because, and I don't know where he is, uh, he was just here, our, our brother Tyler, who's worship leader, uh, where did he go? Is he here? Oh, there he is, okay, brother Tyler there, okay, wave Tyler, look back there at the corner, so Tyler here, y'all know him as worship leader, and he serves our church body, and Shelly, his fiance, will be getting married this Saturday, walk up to her, TK, come on up, come on up, come on up. So I, I told him I didn't want to make a spectacle out of it. But as we, we clap there, and I do want to open our, our time, at least in the sermon, the message, by praying for this time, but praying for them specifically. Uh, Tyler uh, gives a great deal of leadership, uh, more than many of you all know, to the, uh, uh, to the worship, to the service of this church, and so very thankful for him. And Shelly, most of all, thankful for you. And... Uh, And so just praying for uh, y'all and your marriage and your family. So let's open our time uh, right now and just pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for leaders that you raise up in the church. Uh, I thank you for gifts, uh, gifts of music, of song, uh, of of worship, of symmetry of notes. And I thank you for the gifts that you have given Tyler and the opportunity for leadership that he has stepped into uh, and that you've grown in him and cultivated uh, in and through him both in his life and now with Shelly and their life together. And so I do want to pray over them. I want to celebrate with them this coming week and, uh, and weeks uh, and months to come as they will be newlyweds. And uh, let us be a family for them and edify them uh, as they uh, start this new life together. And as, as they do, and we have already seen in this service just uh, a family and of children, uh, but every life here in this house uh, matters to you now. And so I pray that you would uh, just convict us to, to come to you more in, pray, in prayer as our Heavenly Father, as a Father who's, who's very real, very present, very concerned with the, with the minute details of our, our life, that uh, even though we say see a big God, that we don't see you as too big, that we cannot come to you. And that even though we try to work hard and, and do things in life, uh, we would see our need uh, for you, as, as Neil talked about at the opening of the service. So cultivating us a, a life of prayer, a praying life. And uh, it's because of you, Jesus, that we can. Amen.
Okay, so I want to talk about prayer today and, and really four uh, points. One, why we don't pray. Second, how we pray. Three, what we pray for. And then four, why we can pray. And I believe to think about how we pray and what we are to pray for, we see this in the passage. But I first want to start with why we don't pray. Okay. Now, you might say, whoa, whoa, I pray. I just prayed. Yes, we pray. Uh, I pray. But I'm talking about why we don't have a, a more of a praying life. A life defined uh, by prayer. And I'm talking about us as individuals. I'm using me too. But also us as a church. Why we don't pray. Why we don't pray more. Why we don't uh, just have a life of prayer. I don't know if you ever thought about that. But it's, it's very easy to be uh, raised, brought up here. No prayer. Go to church. Say your prayers at church uh, or at bedtime. That was often when the only time I would pray growing up was at church and at bedtime. Okay? And you say, oh, I believe in prayer or someone's sick or there's a, there's a, a need. I will pray. But I'm talking about a, a consistent, constantly uh, rhythm of prayer. Why that doesn't happen? And, and I think I'm convicted this might be the most important thought or point of the entire message. And it's, it's not in the passage, okay? But I've done some, uh, done some reading, some, some, I guess, research on prayer. Uh, particularly want to refer a book to you called A Praying Life by a guy named Paul Miller. And, you know, in American culture, so, you know, good old USA, which I love and we love and, you know, go Team America. But it is, it is uh, really infiltrated and affected by two things, okay? And this goes back way, way before America began. Uh, two ways of thinking that uh, I th- we don't even realize we think like this, yet we do. So one is what we would call like Western thought. So those of y'all who, you know, maybe flagged a C in Western Civ or, or Greek thought, okay? Stay with me here. So Greek thought, which a lot of Acts takes place with Greeks, okay? But Greek thought, which infiltrated the church and is still with us now, was very big on what we call the, the big man or big woman or the hero theory or the stoic citizen. And what I mean by that, to clarify or make it simpler, is like, you know, yes, I can or yes, you can. And to be stoic means like you're going to take the shots and take the hits, but you're going to keep moving, keep marching. You're going to get through. You're going to push through. So big man, big woman, hero idea. (coughs) Excuse me. And that really has infiltrated our culture, our society. A lot of the founding fathers were uh, really obsessed with this line of thinking, infiltrated the church. So the idea is that, yes, you can, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, but we take it to another level that we don't even need God, and we can do it on our own. And yes, each of you has gifts, each of you has capabilities and capacities, but there's this idea that we really can get through on our own. And we'll, we'll say the prayers, but I'm talking about really like what we believe. And I know this is because I think it too. Like, yeah, I pray, but really, I mean, I can manufacture the, 
the strength or the, the ideas or the, the plans to make it happen. And so we're deceived, and I believe by the devil, in thinking that we're much stronger than God. Okay? That's one way. The other, the other idea or ideas that we're uh, really uh, can be obsessed with as a culture is more Eastern. Eastern being like Asia, okay? And you see this really more and more. And this, the idea that there is a God, and He is a big God, but He's so big that we can't really approach Him. And we can't really... Uh, he doesn't, he's not interested in the details of our life. He's, he doesn't care as much about, uh, you know, if, 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 if we're sick or if we're coughing, as many of us are today. Anyway, myself included. Or, you know, how we feel. Or, he's, just, he's just generalized God out and about. And he's there, and he created, he made, but he's not really worried about the details. So the Bible is, is very different from both those lines of thinking. A biblical worldview, a, a Christian worldview uh, is totally different, okay? And we, don't ha- we actually buy into both. Uh, both of those are kind of combined in us. Because we really say, oh, yeah, God's we, we really, I mean, if you're thinking about, like, well, God's big, but he, does he care with the minute details of our life? Well, the Bible would say yes. But often in our minds we would say, if we're honest... We might have trouble believing that. Or we have trouble believing that, you know, it's really God whom we need and he does it rather than us and our strength and our gifts and our our plans and figuring things out. So both of those are kind of infused in our culture, in our life, in your life, which really uh, uh, rips our prayer life to shreds because we either think God's so big that some of these little things don't matter, so why should we pray all the time? Or I can do it. You with me? I think that's. <clears throat> I think it's very important for us to know, and it uh, it's made me think a lot about my own prayer life. So now, in this passage here, we see a lot about what to pray for and how to pray. What to pray for and how to pray. So here, first off, verse one, going to Acts twelve. It says that time. Herod attacked those who belonged to the church, and he executed James. So executed would mean killed. John's brother, so James was the first disciple to be martyred, killed, with the sword. So first thing I think that we should be in pretty consistent prayer about is persecuted Christians. Okay, And first, let me say, uh, who are physically persecuted. When I say physically persecuted, I mean like, you know, their, their lives are threatened. It may be hard for us to believe, but many places around the world, uh, believers who gather, who worship, their very lives uh, are, are threatened or at risk uh, from praying, from having a prayer gathering, uh, from worshiping. And I think we do a disservice to the church when we don't at least acknowledge that and think about that and pray for that. I know a couple years ago, we had this ministry in India, and we were over there, a group of us, and they took us out to a baptism service that they had to hide, okay? So, like, in two weeks, we'll celebrate uh, a baptism, or baptisms here. 
We're not going to hide it. We're going to publicly proclaim and celebrate. And they did too. But they had to go outside of their village uh, into a, uh, well, it was like a kind of a a moat. Uh, It really wasn't a river. It was, uh, the water wasn't, probably wasn't very clean either. But uh, because of their their love for Christ, these believers, they baptized six or seven uh, new people and they were immersed, they were baptized, and the pastor told us, it was very powerful, we were about three, four hours outside Calcutta. In, I mean, you know, total jungles, you know, what you might envision, little village. Then we went about 40 miles into, into the thicket, into the jungles, and baptized these, these men and women. And they said, look, you know, don't take pictures, or if you take pictures, please don't post them because, you know, the, these men and women are at risk and from uh, other, other faiths, other other people, and <clears throat> never forget that, you know, they're, they're baptizing, and they're not hiding it, not to not glorify it, but for the safety of these believers in the church. And so I think we at least need to acknowledge that in terms of what to pray for. If you don't know what to pray for, one thing is just Christians around the world who are being persecuted. And, and secondly, you know, it goes down here to Peter, verse 3 through 5, it says, he didn't kill Peter, Herod that is, but he threw him in, in prison. And so Peter's being persecuted as well. Uh, he's, not, he's not dead, yet he will eventually give his life for the Lord. But uh, prayers for Christians who are persecuted, let me say this, culturally, socially, and I would say, I would argue that that is happening more and more in, in our society. Uh, and yes, even buckle the Bible belt, you know, Jackson, Jackson, Mississippi, that we can be persecuted culturally and socially uh, for taking a stand in what we believe in. Uh, now, now, let me say this too, and where people like to really uh, kind of try to tag us as Christians is saying like, well, we don't, we, we're not going to include everybody, okay? Which is very false from the gospel and the Bible. Or Christians are really exclusive, which is false uh, from the gospel, which is false from John 3.16. This is false from the global church, the local church, from this church. But culturally, socially, uh, that is what uh, some folks want to say and, and where they try to, to tag us and persecute us and say, well, that's good, but you're really not, not truly loving and accepting of everybody, which is false. Okay? And you're like, well, how do you say it's false? You know, like here, we welcome everyone here. Everyone is welcome here. We love everyone here. We want anyone and everyone to come as they are through those doors at any time, any Sunday. One Sunday a year, two Sundays a year, every Sunday a year. Come, whomever you are, whatever you've done, the foot of the cross, level playing field. Now, I always say we want you to come as you are. We don't want you to stay like you are, though. Okay? We welcome you to come as you are. But we don't want you to stay as you are. And that's, that's for me. Oh, that's for my wife. That's for elders. That's for deacons. That's for members. Because we want people to grow. Grow in, in knowledge. Just as with that infant. That you will raise this child in knowledge and in faith and in love and in service. We don't want anybody to be stagnant. We don't want anyone to stay as they are. I mean, 
One of my prayers as pastor, our prayers as elders, is that people would, would grow in knowledge, in faith, in passion, in vitality. So I say all that is because one thing we can pray for is pray for, for wisdom uh, and love as we, the church, and it will happen more and more and more, okay? Socially, culturally, physically. Persecution uh, by the world. So then Peter is in jail. And I think this is, I think this is fascinating because, and I'm not going to read it all again, but an angel saves him. So here is one of the, uh, one of the starkest, one of the most striking examples of angels coming down, an angel, and, and saving Peter. And you know, what, what is also interesting, so he had, he had 16 guards around him. It said four sentries, squads of four soldiers each. So if my math's right, four times four, 16, right? Okay. 16, and then two slept beside him, okay? And then chains as well. So they're like, man, you know, lock this dude up, you know, surround him. And still this, this angel of the Lord comes down. I love, I love Acts in Luke's details. Verse 7, the chains fell off his wrist. Get dressed, the angel told him. Put on your sandals. So he walked out and, you know, just passed through the first and second guards. Uh, so this angel saves him. And, and here's, this is exactly, exactly the point I was making earlier about the, the Western thought infiltrating our mind. See, like, I'll, I'll read that, even as I'm reading that, that can't really happen now. I mean, it's, it's really like Peter should try to, like, figure out how to do a jailbreak or, you know, he's praying, but he, he needs to figure something out. Or <clears throat> you might think on that, the eastern side of things that God's, you know, big and everything, but God doesn't really send angels in uh, detailed, you know, specific things that we need. Which the Bible would say both of those are false. Because the Bible says that we need God, and the Bible says clearly, and we believe the Bible to its every word, that God sends angels uh, to minister to his Christian. I'm going to put a verse up on the screen. Two verses. Hebrews. Not that one. Hebrews. That one's coming. Hebrews 1, 13 and 14. Look at this. Now to which of the angels... Has he, and that would be God, ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? He's talking about Jesus there, but then in verse 14, are they not all angels, ministering spirits, sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? So I fully and firmly believe we may not see them literally. You may at some point in life, but I mean, there are angels, and one of their primary roles in the eternal time span is to provide and protect for believers, for you. And God sends angels, and God uh, has angels to stay with you, with families, with lives. I think we'll all see clearly one day, and we may not see it as clearly now, but praying for angels, protection, provision. Uh, this is real. And even in our minds now, even as I'm saying, I'm like, ah, they're, they're not really getting that, or I'm not really getting that, because it's just so supernatural. We've been so cultivated by ideas that are not biblical uh, in our minds, in our lives, in our society. But biblically, uh, God has angels for a pur purpose. And one of, the, one of the purposes is to worship and glorify the Lord 
in heaven. One of their purposes is to protect and provide for believers here on earth as we walk through uh, this life until the Lord comes again. I mean, that's just, just it. So do we pray for angelic intervention? Do we pray for protection uh, provision? This happened to Peter. And now look. So he escapes. And immediately he goes to this house where they are gathered for prayer. And I want you to pick up on this, okay? So verse 5 says the church was praying fervently to God for him. Verse 12, Peter goes to this house of Mary, mother of John Mark, who wrote Mark. And he says where many had assembled and were praying. So they are praying fervently for this specific brother, the detail that he's in prison. So like what to pray for? Well, pray for brothers and sisters, not just persecuted, but in need. How to pray? Gather together like we're doing now, like we're going to do at the close, to pray together. And what is fascinating, too, they're praying. Man, they're, this is probably, you know, the Acts church. They're just probably, I mean, they're probably rocking in prayers. I mean, they're just hitting it, you know, just, man, this is probably awesome. And then Peter gets there, okay? I want you to see this. They're, they're praying for this fervently. Peter gets there, and they're like, we don't believe it's him. We don't believe this is possible. Are, are you following? Are you tracking me now? Even in our minds, I mean, this is like early. This is like Mark who wrote Mark and his mom and, you know, people who've seen Jesus. And, man, they're praying. And then Peter's knocking and he's knocking some more. And they literally say, you're out of your mind. Okay. I can't, I can't kind of emphasize this. They are praying. They're praying fervently. And they're like, Peter's at the door. You're crazy. You're out of mind. That's the, like, that's impossible. Do you see the trap that we can fall into? Do you see it? Same as in Acts. You can be praying, and, but still, whether it's the devil or whether it's, you know, sin or whatever it is, there's so many walls around our hearts and our minds to not believe in the supernatural power and manifestation of God and power in prayer and spirit-filled in prayer. We go back to, well, I got to do the job on my own, or I got to do it on my own, or that's just not possible. And so a big what and how to pray for is like, God, break these chains, break these walls that I would believe in your manifestation, that I would believe in angelic intervention, that I would believe people show up at the door, that I would... Man, I, I've, I've pastored so many people with broken relationships, and they've just, and I, in my mind, they're like, man, it just, it just, it's not going to be healed. It's not going to be. My wife and I were talking about this just yesterday. Uh, bumped into someone whom um, there was a fracture in the relationship, and we were like, you know, I think it's, we believe it's healing, but we're like, so many people give up. Like, it's just it's not going to, it's going to be no resurrection. There's going to be no new life. There's going to be no restoration. False! False from what the Bible says. Now, what you may think in your mind or even in your heart, which Jeremiah says, you know, the heart is deceitful and wicked above anything else. <laughs> and the culture says, well, just do what your heart says. Okay. <laughs> See, two, two different ways of seeing, two different worldviews here. Okay, let's speed up just a couple more things and we're going to finish up. So, what to pray for, how to pray for. What to pray for, I would say this, pray for specifics. Pray for details. Details matter to the Lord. Every aspect, every minutia of your life 
matters to the Lord. And we see this is a specific detail. Get Peter out of prison. Then he comes and he says, tell the brothers this story. And we need you as a church to tell one another, tell me answered prayers. Because we will fall into the trap of believing, well, that's not possible. Or it's really up to me or God can't do that. Peter says, tell them this. Verse 17, tell these things to James, the other James, brother of Jesus, who wrote the letter of James in the Bible. And he left and went to another place. And as this passage goes on, we didn't read it all, but what to pray for. You can pray for society, the world at large. Herod here, you know, he gets angry. He kills some guards. Then God kills Herod in a a pretty... uh, Pretty graphic way. I didn't read that. I didn't want to, okay? But like you can like God is in charge. Personally, globally. Uh, your life, uh, the life of nations. And so we can be praying for our world, for our our nation. And then last in this passage, verse 24 and 25, it says, The word of God flourished, multiplied, and then it lists three people: Barnabas, Saul, and Mark. And I highlight that because, as you're going to see, or if you've read Acts, you'll see, believers, disciples, missionaries, brothers, they're never solo. They're going in twos or threes. And so I would ask you to pray for a brother or a sister that can walk with you, beside you. And in that way, they're not isolated. And you can grow. And you have that relationship. Now, I have these note cards here, and I want to I close by just saying some specifics that you can apply about what to pray for, again, how to pray, and last thing is why we can pray, okay? So these note cards, uh, it's, again, both how to pray and what to pray for. I've just started this, okay? So instead of, like, prayers or uh, a prayer list, uh, I write note cards of specific prayers and people. And I write verses that are attached or that come to mind about this person or this need. And I write also words about them. So, like, this would be, uh, and I've gotten into this, this discipline, and I find it, find it very effective. These note cards are on my desk, okay? And I, I look over them uh, about every day. So this is a, a prayer for myself, Okay. So I don't want to, I'm going to name any, any of you or any of your pastoral prayers, but your, your names are on some cards too. This is a prayer for myself. So like, give you an example. This is a prayer for or against self-deception. Self-deception, how I can deceive myself. Okay? So the verse that I have listed, and uh, my wife may amen here. Please don't, okay? Anyway, so, but uh, a verse is Proverbs 25, 28. A person who does not control his temper is like a city whose walls are broken down. So I have that, you know, on my desk. Another verse here, Psalm 37, 23. A person's steps are established by the Lord, and he takes pleasure, pleasure in his way. The idea that God's in control. A person's steps are established by the Lord. On the back, I have words that just uh, connect me to this, this sin, this deception. Deny, hide, excuse, blame, escape. Target others, dream, fantasize, ego, pride. I have this prayer constantly at my, on my desk. Another prayer for myself is isolation. It's a prayer for you. 
brothers and sisters, Saul, Barnabas, John, Mark, isolation. So I have that very verse, Acts 12, 24 through 25, convicted me this week. Read it again. The word of God flourished and multiplied. After they had completed their relief mission, Barnabas and Saul returned to Jerusalem, taking John, who was called Mark. They weren't isolated. I want you to be isolated. I think a great exercise, a great discipline, instead of just praying, is get some note cards and just simply jot down the prayer need, the request. It can be a word. It can be a person. Write the words that come to your mind about that person. Write a verse, one verse. Have them at your kitchen table or where you do your devotion or your office. And I can look at these cards and think about them and and the prayers come to mind. And I'm slowly building a stack of of prayers that I I look through daily, weekly. Uh, It's it's very powerful for me. And it's it's simple. Other things, and another how is a prayer journal. Talking about Peter saying, you know, go and tell. That's a way that you can remember how God has answered prayers. What to pray for? Pray for yourself. Often we pray for the needs of others. I, I'm not saying be selfish, but like pray for yourself that God gives you strength. God gives you um, revelations of his, of his presence, of his power. Uh, God opens doors for you. I, I think sometimes we, we take this, this stoic, this, I mean, I got to push through, and, and we, we miss out on these small details, needs that God wants you to say, speak to him. And yes, pray for other needs. People who are sick, people who are struggling, people who've lost a mom, a dad, a a brother, a child, a spouse. Pray for this church. Pray that this church would be filled. Pray that churches would spring forth and planted from here. Mission works, ministries. Pray Pray for the global church. Persecution. Struggling believers. That more churches would be connected and partnered in Jackson, Mississippi. Cultivate a praying life. So I'd love us to start today, and I would just close why we can pray. We take prayer for granted. The only way, the only reason that we can pray is because of Jesus on the cross. Jesus on the cross. And you're like, oh, they prayed before then. Yes, they went to the temple, and Jesus on the cross, the temple veil was split open. There is a, a, a vastly big, immense God, Father, Son, Spirit that, that is a mystery and we can't comprehend, and yet He is invested and interested in every detail of your life. For youth that are here, who you date or who you don't date, or who you've broken up with, for youth going to college, where you go to college, and getting a financial aid package, or after college, uh, the right spouse, uh, don't want to say soulmate because that's really not biblical, okay? But spouse that you can walk with in your life. Jobs, promotions, cities, world, everything. And we don't, don't take advantage of it. We have a God who loves you so much that not only did he go to the cross, not only did he send his son, but he's interested in every, every detail. A new marriage, a new child. Broken relationships. The only way you can come to the Lord is because Jesus has come to you on the cross and given everything, given his life. So also offer an invitation. Because you could be struggling today. You could say, I don't, you know, I'm wrestling with this God. I can't, you know, I'm thinking I can do it on my own. Yes, receive Christ, what he has done. 
You can come because he has gone to us. Come to us. And just receive that in salvation. And then give him your, your life. And when you give him your life, I'm not saying like, hey, I'm signing up pastor mission. No, I'm just like, give him everything. Those details, those relationships, everything. So I'd like us to start or start anew today. I'm going uh, to close this, this message in prayer. But I'm going to invite all of you to take communion. So, so what we'll do, the communion stations will be here on the corners, on the other side of the altars. Usually if you're here, they're, they're right here. And I'm going to have our, our other four elders. They'll be <clears throat> more front and center. And I'd love, I'd love for as many of you as feel led or, or push past the boundary of doing it on your own. These elders love you. They pray for you. We pray for you regularly. Come to them and you can either say pray for me or you can give a specific need and, and they, will, they will pray for you. And then you can give your offering if, uh, if you're, this is your home and you feel led. You can pray at the altar on your own. You can take communion. I encourage you to use this time. Let it be a prayer service. Uh, we're, we're gathered here. Uh, there's so many needs, you know, in this, in this community. Use this time. These steps are open. Uh, we prayed here a couple Wednesday nights ago. These steps, I mean, pour yourself out to the Lord who's come to you, who will never leave you, who will come to you again and again. Push past the idea that you can do it on your own or that God is so big that he's not invested or interested. That's just, that's false, that's false, that's false. That's not biblical. Biblical is we can't do it on our own, but we have this <laughs> God who's bigger than we can imagine who's come to us and the small details, um, the fractures physically, relationally. He's vested, he's totally in. Let's take advantage of that now as his family. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray for these people. I pray for myself. I pray for our church family. I pray that we would we push back false ideas that we can do it on our own or that you're not interested and just look at that cross back there. Look at that stained glass window with the good shepherd going out to these lost baby sheep, which is us, and raise us up to be leaders of prayer cultivators of prayer, humble people of prayer that, um, that show this world, this culture, um, a different, different picture of life, different picture of life that is one that is loving, embracing, truly embracing, that uh, will take people where they are and love them where they are and help them grow because of you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.